0: Welcome to Fringe Element here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Brayden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall.
1: Mine's Aaron Dugan. You can follow me on Twitter at TheAaronDugan or Instagram Aaron underscore Dugan.
0: This podcast is coming out on July 1st, which means that there are like seven or eight states, mostly in the SEC, that have officially now allowed students to make money off of their name, image, and likeness. So, of course, we are going to spend some time talking a lot about that. On the show today, Stephen Godfrey, we had a very long conversation with him on another podcast on the network, uh, Lamestream Sports with Steve Cavendish. That will be out on Friday and you can hear all 55 minutes of that <laughs> insanely long conversation. But we're going to play you a, a little cut of that today on the show, give you the best information from from his conversation about the SEC coming up a little bit later on. We might glance at some recruiting stuff because the dead period is now here. Um, You had some questions about recruiting during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's obviously already some interesting um, developments in the team rankings in the SEC. So we'll kind of dabble with recruiting. Um, We did have a bunch of SEC quarterbacks watching baseball games this week as well. and And we are recording this on Wednesday prior to your alma mater playing in the championship final on Wednesday evening. So we are going to check the pulse of one Aaron Dugan (laughs) here in just a few minutes. Uh, Of course, we got to start with all of this name, image, and likeness stuff. But before we do, Fringe Element is brought to you by...
1: I'm so off my game because of all the nerves. Um, Jaspers, the 100-acre woods of the (laughs) 21st century.
0: Jaspers. The Xanax for your baseball team.
1: <laughs> I mean, please <laughs> slip a Xanax into that Jasper's dog tonight.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh man, go to Jasper's. Of course, we we were there this week, uh, myself and 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 the aforementioned Steve Cavendish uh, had had like a planning business meeting there. Had some really yummy firecracker wings and my Creole roll. I'm, I'm starting to go to that Creole roll pretty regularly. Great sandwiches, great happy hours. Of course, four to six and the weekly rundown six to close you got a different special uh, almost every single night of the week so lots of great reasons to go to jaspers so go check that out aaron name image and likeness chaos has begun on thursday july 1st when this show comes out uh what uh what do we expect here what do we expect from all this craziness
1: It's interesting that I was I was digging through, and of course, we kind of are living and breathing this all the time right now, but I started to dig a little bit deeper. And I think it's interesting you see all of this stuff coming out about what direction we're going in, what the schools are doing to help facilitate, you know, athletes like getting these deals, making these deals. And it's so interesting to see all this language about what the future holds, and then looking at the NCAA's website, and it almost just looks like they still. Hashtag don't get it because it's behind and it's talking about like them working with the the Supreme Court to like solidify all this litigation and move us more towards a fair structure. And I'm reading it and I'm like, you guys really wanted this to work. You wouldn't be the last one in. You're talking about trying to make all these things work, and you're absolutely the last one to the game. So I just thought it was interesting to see all that language on their website about making it fair, how to make it even when. It, you could have done that if you were the trailblazer for it.
0: Uh, are, are you surprised by any of that? No. Yeah. I'm not. Yeah. Mark, uh, Mark Mark Emeritt, um, the president of the NCAA, of course, now this week, bitching and moaning about how, oh, my God, we got to get some name, image, and likeness regulations in place. What are we going to do? <laughs> and we're all like, if only you had been in a position of power for the last 10 years to have done something about this, Mark. <laughs> if only. Like, <laughs> like,
1: tough. You hate if, to see it.
0: This is on you, bud. I hate to break it to you. Um, now, I do think there is some fascinating dynamics at play here. And I don't know about what, you know, what I, what I am fascinated to see. And even as you're listening to this, we, we might already have some announcements. We saw a Wisconsin quarterback announce a trademark. Um, you know, right. I, I think there are some, some schools, and Stephen Godfrey will talk a little bit about this later on. Some schools are absolutely, and this probably goes to whoever has the most money, Some schools are absolutely prepared for this. They have entire departments staffed, sort of like shadow departments ready to go with personnel. They have contracts with consulting firms. They have all this stuff organized and set up and ready to go so that as soon as somebody flips the switch, which in theory is Thursday, um, that they can go out and do it. I still think if I'm in charge of a program, I want all of that ready to go, but I'm not sure I want to be the first one out of the gate.
1: No, I don't know why you would be. I mean, you learn... There's so much to be learned from just watching, but some of these big schools that have the means to do it are going to be willing to take that risk, to be the first one out of the gate, be willing to maybe mess up just for the opportunity to be the very first one to get it right. Um, but I'm with you. I'm hanging back just a little bit if I'm if I'm one of these larger schools that has the funds to do it, just to see if anyone makes any grave mistakes along the way so I don't have to repeat those.
0: Well, and we had a compliance director on that was at Vanderbilt. Now is at, at UCLA, a good friend <laughs> of yours. And I think all the compliance people are like, they're just like, we have no clue what to do. Cause again, I, the, I do think that there will be some form of temporary guidelines created. And, and I think even the the current state of things where Mississippi, Kentucky, Louisiana, Georgia, Florida, you know, Tennessee is one of them where, you know, kids can actually go get compensated now and if you are organized and have everything lined up and have spent all the money to put all this in place, you 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 will benefit as a college football program from sort of having all of that set up and organized. Um, but I, I just, all of this is sort of temporary. How long is it going to be temporary though? Is it temporary into the season? Is it temporary for a week? Does the NCAA and does Congress have something in place in like six months? Like I just, uh, there's so many unknowns through all of this.
1: And I it it raises an interesting question of you know being the the first one to it or or not to be and and how that re- affects everything, including recruiting. I do think that those who are on the the cutting edge and the most organized, um, that's not only impressive and and uh, catches the attention of potential recruits and players, but also for parents who are trying to make sure that their kid ends up in the right place, that they're playing sports at a place that's going to be, you know, not only lucrative to them, but maybe the, potentially the whole family. Um, it's, it will not only be impress, impressive on the recruiting trail for student athletes, but I can't imagine a parent not really, really weighing heavily into is this school organized? Do they have the proper measures put in place so that my kid does have the opportunity to get the best brand deals and, um, you know, it, it, it will it will make a huge impact, I think, sooner rather than later. Whether or not this thing is totally organized,
0: yeah, I, I do think it will make a difference. And I, 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 let's kind of go through the schools here in the SEC real quickly and kind of okay. look, like like the big ones will be prepared and ready to go and probably handle it pretty well. But the huge budgets, because they already are big brands that attract great talent. Alabama, Georgia, LSU, you know, we, we A probably with Jimbo Fisher. Like we know who's going to be sort of organized on all of this. And I, and I think it benefits them just the way anything in, in college football benefits them. Uh, I, and Stephen will talk about this a little bit later on. But I, I do have a... My question is, is there a tier of school that has a fan base that's passionate enough and has enough resources to be a marketable commodity to a player but that hasn't really won anything in like the last whatever? And I immediately think of schools that have pretty high attendance, pretty high passion level, but aren't winning anything. And that's South Carolina to me. That's They're like the poster child for this. Arkansas would probably fall into this category. Mississippi State might mm-hmm. fall into this category. Missouri has more than 50,000 at their games. I don't know if Missouri is the same as South Carolina or Arkansas as far as passion goes. But if you were to say South Carolina, Arkansas, Mississippi State, it, you know, you've talked about this a lot, Aaron, where if, if, does a kid want to get paid maybe a little earlier because they can start earlier at Mississippi state versus Alabama versus sitting on the bench and maybe not being as marketable. There's also an element of, all right, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a student athlete. I'm looking at a place like South Carolina and instead of going to, you know, I'm, I'm from Ohio, instead of going to a, a big 10 school that's probably mm-hmm. maybe a better place to win like, I can go to a school where I know I'm going to win more than I would at South Carolina, but I'm not as marketable because the fan base isn't as big. So, like, I, I don't know. Like, I just am curious if if schools like South Carolina, Arkansas, and Mississippi State, those three can benefit a little bit here because we know South Carolina, even though they're four and freaking eight, is going to have 85,000 people in the stands. You know what I mean? Exactly.
1: I think that's a good point. And I, it also, in my mind, is going to come down to – what else is competing in those particular towns amongst those particular fan bases, like where, how large a piece of the town or community is the football program. And when you're talking about Columbia, South Carolina, it's huge. When you're talking about Texas A&M, it's all of it. That is like, it's, it's everything as opposed to, you know, I mean, somewhere like Vander, Vanderbilt's an outlier in a lot of ways, but I mean, Tennessee, I think, you know, will benefit even though Tennessee has history of winning, but, Knox, the University of Tennessee is not only a big part of Knoxville, it is what a lot of Knoxville is. It's it's a huge yeah. portion. So I do think those schools where that is the main entity, the main interest, a lot of the income for the city or town are going to see. Um, I think it'll be great for those places.
0: And, and it's not like you know, Clemson doesn't have the same thing to offer and winning <laughs> to, to a kid that's trying to true. like from that area, let's just use South Carolina as an example, but like, let's say you're looking at other schools in the ACC, like Miami, for example, wins more, but I don't mm-hmm. know how marketable, like they don't have a huge, it's a, it's a private school. Like their, their stadium's off campus. It's not the same fervency and passion that, that South Carolina has. So maybe if you're choosing between like, again, I don't, I'm just making up schools here. Like, like Virginia, uh, like Virginia, you know, Boston college is a good program right now. Wake forest has won games. Like if you look at some, I'm just thinking ACC schools kind of regionally that would be competing for a player that maybe comes from North Carolina or Virginia Mm -hmm. or South Carolina. Well, if you go to South Carolina, you, you know, you would probably win more games at those other schools. Right. But you're, you may not make as much money if you as if you were marketed by a, a South Carolina car dealership in Columbia because the fans are just crazier. So i I do wonder if there's a slight uptick and upshot for some of these programs that you know have such like Nebraska's a great one because they don't they can't get players because they're in the middle of nowhere right but, but their fans are insane and they're not winning <laughs> games. So I don't know. I just think I think Arkansas. South Carolina, Mississippi State; those are the three that I think could benefit the most um, from Mississippi
1: this. State's the very first one I thought of, but I think South Carolina is a, you know, right. Mississippi State's been on the uptick a little bit more, at least in terms of football lately than South Carolina has. Um, but South Carolina is, I mean, if you, when you just said Boston College, kind of jumping around a little bit, you think about. Starkville and what Mississippi State is to Starkville as opposed to what Boston College is to Boston. Like how many more options do ad dollars and companies in Boston have besides Boston College? A million.
0: Yeah. You're nothing in. You're
1: nothing in Boston.
0: Like, like Wake Forest is in the best stretch of football that it's ever had in the history of its program. But like, do they have a big enough fan base to be, to like market you as a player compared to South Carolina? Like if, again, you, if you went to Wake Forest, you would have won you have been, you've been to a bowl game every year for the last five or six years. And if you go to South Carolina, you, you made like no bowl games. <laughs> so. You think
1: that that means that, and this is just a, pure speculation on my behalf, but I think we're going to see a lot of dollars poured into just the top two or three players at schools like wake and Vanderbilt may be better off because it's an sec school, but I think we'll see large chunks of ad dollars poured behind those players in terms of sponsorships, just a few at the very top, as opposed yeah. to yeah. the entire starting lineup at Mississippi state. No, like no, I, I'm saying starting lineup.
0: Starting line. <laughs> the, no, yeah. I agree. I agree. I, I agree with you. It's like the, and I especially think that matters to the group of five in particular. And I know we're kind of outside of the sec here, but I'm trying to, you know, the group of five, I think they, they always have like that one guy who's the star, right? Yeah. Like, like group of five doesn't have a whole litany of guys going to the NFL, right. a, group of, a group of five team, like coastal Carolina has a quarterback. That's a star. Like, that's it. Like he's the guy who's worth everything in Myrtle beach. Like, mm-hmm. you, you know, so uh, other, uh, the, the group of five has sort of a different dynamic at play, but again, I don't think the pecking order is going to change a whole lot in college football. I still think Alabama is at the top and you know, Vanderbilt's at the bottom. And and I don't think that could change, but I think Vanderbilt could close the gap if they activated all of their financial resources to help market their players in, in a bigger way, because Nashville's a great market, lots of good businesses, lots of money at Vanderbilt. Like, mm-hmm. could this be the thing that finally gets Vanderbilt to like turn on the spigot and, and, and release some of those resources because it's not about the school spending. It's about, you know, Ingram Industries and Anheuser-Busch and, you know, like all these big companies, you you know, in in Nashville that could spend a lot of money on players. They don't have to go through the athletic department. Now they can give them directly to the players.
1: Yeah, you just made me think of something. Is there any kind of conflict of interest if you're a large donor like the Ingrams to Vanderbilt and giving to a player individually? Is there any? Yes. I'm sure there's rules against that.
0: I would say that's a great point. You you bring up a great point because I just mentioned those names because they're very rich people. No, I mean
1: they're the ones I think of too. But but
0: but, but like the, John Ingram who's the biggest donor like owns Nashville SC soccer club like you know big he, time. He he's on the board. So like no, they I am assuming okay. that I am assuming If you're
1: on the board conflict.
0: Got I am it. assuming if you are a if you are a booster of a program above a certain dollar figure that you will be ineligible to to be a part of this. I, I would assume that's going to be part yeah, of it. Yeah, I the, would
1: assume that too. I have those not read a, that, but I would assume Those that.
0: will be part of the guardrails that, that I would guess. Like if you're giving $50,000 a year to Ole Miss, I'm assuming, and you run a car dealership, I'm assuming you will not also be allowed to then just like write checks as much as you want for a, you know an autograph signing on a Saturday in the spring or whatever. So I, it'll, it'll be interesting to see. But the SEC is ahead of the curve on this because. As of listening to this podcast right now, your school in the SEC can probably pay a player right now. Or a business can pay a player legally according to the laws. So just
1: crazy. Wait, I have one more thing for Mimon.
0: Yeah, what's up? What's up?
1: So talking about deal opportunities, I was reading a lot about Um, just like the differences in reporting requirements between different schools, some schools will be the very last to know because they don't require a player to tell them. And maybe all this starts to change as we move forward, but some need to know seven days in advance, whatever. But there's also like deal opportunities. I was reading that New Mexico is allowing athletes to sign shoe endorsements, regardless of the institution's existing contract with a shoe brand. So then will a student athlete, I guess they can, they have to wear team issued gear on the field, but then they can support if they're a Nike school, they can support Adidas outside of that. We're gonna see a bunch more like extra brands jump in where it's always been Nikes and, and Nike and Adidas. I mean we're gonna Kanye gonna come out of the woodwork
0: like <laughs> Yeezy. No, it's it's a great point. So um I I so to, I'll use Alabama's a, a Nike school, right? I believe so let's yeah. use let's use Alabama and let's use Bryce Young because he's a high profile player um Bryce Young cannot he has to wear Nike everything with the with the crimson a on it everywhere he goes no matter what he does if it's got the crimson a on it, it's gonna have a Nike logo on it right but there's nothing to stop Adidas from paying him to wear head-to-toe Adidas gear on his Instagram account like mm-hmm. he could wh- why couldn't he do TikToks all day wearing like Fila <laughs> you know like I'm not sure that's the, the direction you want to go, but whatever you know, like Puma. <laughs> I, I well, Puma's cool, man. Puma's cool. Yeah, it's sure uh, yours. I know
1: Puma got cooler.
0: Puma's well, they got the international soccer dollars, which is cool too. So
1: maybe this um, is Umbro's time to make a comeback. <laughs> <laughs> Remember Umbro's? Where
0: are the airwalks when you need them? <laughs> 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 so I, I do think that it's it is it is going to be interesting because even like car dealerships or fast food restaurants, like they all compete with each other, and so. Mm-hmm if if you know if LSU is sponsored by you know Toyota or whatever and all of a sudden the kid is going to a Nissan I guess that's a bad example maybe of uh, you know like a Ford dealership you know how is that going to work you know it, it'll be interesting to see um which is why they do not allow right now the school logos to be a part of it i think they need to put in some language to change that that if if the branding lines up with the school's branding that they should mm-hmm. be allowed to use the, the 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 logos which then maybe a couple maybe 3-5% of that deal then goes back to the school and is used for a scholarship fund or something because they are a part of the the ad and and I, and in fact hopefully that means that the student can then charge higher rates for his sponsorship because the the power t or the crimson a or the the georgia g is in the is in the ad so you have to pay extra for that so i i'd, I'd like to see the school how that's gonna work he incorporated more but that's
1: we'll- me like the, all this stuff coming out about Graham Mertz and like his own logo and all of that um
0: he's the quarterback at Wisconsin
1: yes quarterback at Wisconsin it made me wonder like oh if he if Nike wants him on a deal I think Wisconsin's Nike and it, are they?
0: they they might be they've been I don't know, whatever they've been whatever they've, they they've been adidas for a long time so but whatever know, they are, right. but
1: I'm wondering if you can like, then if you, if your branding lines up, can you then put like your own student athlete logo, like a patch on your uniform?
0: I, I don't think they're right now, Aaron, this is the reason the NCAA is losing their flip, flipping minds. Mm-hmm. Cause there, there are no rules right now. It's all, it's all just, it's compl- like the purge. It's,
1: it's like purge day <laughs> for the NCAA.
0: It's the wild, wild West right now. I mean, it really is as I uh, thumb through my handy dandy Athlon sports magazine, to get to a photo of a Wisconsin, the Under Armour, Wisconsin's Under Armour. I I knew that.
1: Oh yeah. Um,
0: But there, there is some concern though, in the, in, in the market and coaches, ADs, whatever, that, that Nike could dominate this because there's probably no better brand in all of sports than the Nike swoosh. Like that brand is as it's why they paid, you know, it's Jordan, it's Tiger Woods, it's LeBron. Like there's a reason that the biggest and baddest dudes in the history of marketing and sports are on the Nike brand. And I think there is a concern that Nike and Phil Knight, who's attached to Oregon is going to just sort of try to come in and like buy the whole world. And I, while I don't know if that's feasible, it is something to consider. So. Yeah. Um, is that a selling
1: point? Like, Oh, we're like sign with Nike. Cause. LeBron and Tiger are, do you want to be potentially in a commercial with them? People are going to be like, yeah, Yeah. sign me up.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, You had an interesting question. Let's shift gears here. You'll hear a little bit more about this from Stephen Godfrey, but um, you had a question. um, Sort of the dead period has now arrived, right? Like recruiting is sort of dying down right now. We just went through this huge process of all these new coaches introducing themselves to high school coaches and players and everybody for the first time in like 18 months. And now we're going to kind of take a little pause from that you and you had a couple of questions coming off uh, recruiting
1: Yeah, I think I'm interested to know like the impact of like covid on ranking players coming out of high school because I know a lot of that takes like, a, there, you know, there's not as many games to go off of. And then what are you, what kind of criteria are you using? What kind of resources sources are these coaches using to make sure that they get a real assessment of these players? And then also are the rankings of these players going to be as accurate as they once were, or are there going to be some leaps of faith that coaches and what teams haven't had to take in the past?
0: I think it's a great question. And I think you could even expand it out further and sort of play every angle of it. And what I mean by that is. So there's the recruiting services that are doing the evaluations and ranking. Um, there are coaches that are doing the evaluations uh, on their own internally for what's best for their program. Right. Um, there are players that <laughs> by and large, we're not supposed to be taking visits. We've seen some schools getting in trouble for unsanctioned COVID visits in the fall. To your point, practices are closed. Access is closed for both high school and college for a lot of this stuff. How much access did scouts have? How much access did players have with campuses? Mm
2: -hmm. So I will say,
0: I, I will, I would agree with you. Same thing with the NFL. I am going to be fascinated with the 2020 and 2021 NFL draft classes. 10 years from now, like 10 years from now, how, you know, what was the hit rate on those two draft classes? Because the NFL wasn't able to physically interact with players. Right. And I wonder if there's a, you know, a bigger miss rate. And I, I think it's a great question about recruiting. And I would, my guess is having talked to some people is that the closer, and this is where the sec benefits, the closer you live to stuff and the easier you could just get in a car and safely drive from point A to point B and, 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 and meet outside on a picnic table or on a football field and throw a football with a guy, you, you know, the better evaluation you will have. And that goes for the recruiting services and for the coaching staffs, right? Mm-hmm. Same, yeah. thing with, same thing with players. The closer you are to a campus, the more likely you were to just like sort of drive through with mom, check it out. Maybe it wasn't official. Maybe you didn't really meet with anybody. Maybe you weren't allowed to. But what's to keep you from just driving to a campus and just driving around and checking it out and being like, oh, I like the vibe here. Oh, I don't like the vibe here.
1: That's true. And I, my mind like while you were talking through that of course my mind goes straight to video because that's kind of the world that I live in but although you you know from an NFL perspective although you couldn't have like the meetings maybe that you needed to and um, all the in-person interaction that you would have before you actually drafted someone or took someone I understand that affects it affects and make you making sure it's a fit for your particular team but there's video on everything college like with high school, I just think about like a lot of these, I know parents who just pay freelance videographers to come out and tape their kid. I know high schools that, you know, high school, right. like MBA or a prep school. That's what the one, one of the ones that comes to mind in Nashville, but any big prep school, you know, may have a video team, but a lot of these smaller schools don't. Can you just then, and then if you're in charge of the video, you don't have to put all the mistakes in there. It did not have to be a full game worth of video. So I guess with something like. Um, I don't know if it's Rivals or whatever that on Exos or whatever that online video service is. I don't even you probably know this. I don't know if they have every full high school game on there. Do you?
0: Uh, I'm not. I'm not 100 percent sure. I do know that. But also you, they
1: didn't play that many.
0: You also trim. I mean, prospect video has been trimmed from entire game footage down down to just the best The best 12 or 15 plays of that game. If anyway, 65. it's already trimmed like that a lot of times now. Coaches. Now that's gen- that's see. That, yeah, right. That's generally for the internet and for your subscribers. You want to mm-hmm. show, oh uh, you know, Mississippi State's interested in so and so defensive end. Well, here are the highlight best. Reel. Here are the best yeah. here, here's the highlight reel. The coaches probably are not doing that. The coaches are going and sit, and this is this is again to your point. maybe the rankings in the recruiting services are pretty accurate. You know, maybe, but the the how much acts physical hands-on, you know. I'm using that sort of as a, like a metaphorical term, like how much hands-on interaction did coaches have with prospects where they normally would go, like be out on the practice field with you after practice and like, th- you know, run through routes or work on your jam off the line of scrimmage or see how your feet work on a pass pro set or, you know, like all that stuff that a, that a coach generally does face to face, you know, how much of that did they get to do over the two year cycle? I think the 2020 class is okay. I think because all that recruiting happened in 2019 It's the 2021 class, Mm -hmm. and then maybe even this 2022 class. I I think 2022 will be okay, and this can take us into our next topic, which is sort of looking at where the recruiting rankings are right now in the SEC. You know, the most recruits anybody has committed right now is Mississippi State at 14. I mean, that's two-thirds of a class already. How how many of those kids have you physically seen in person? Like, (laughs) I I don't know. I I mean, I I don't know the answer. Um, Arkansas has 12 committed. Uh, LSU and Georgia both have 11
1: LSU is uh, fine. They don't need to meet people before they come on campus anyway.
0: <laughs> well done. Uh, Kentucky has 11, South Carolina has 11, and we know Shane Beamer has been recruiting like crazy. So, you know, what's interesting, Ole Miss has five, Auburn has three, Tennessee has six. Now two of those are new coaches. So that's a part of the equation,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but I'm just curious, like, cause once we get into the fall, you'll be able to go back on the road. Like we already have had some of these guys go on the road to meet people again. But in the fall, you'll be out, you know, there'll be all kinds of recruiting with co- with assistant coaches going out and meeting players and 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 stuff. So I, I think 2022 will be OK. Right. Um, I, I'm I'm with you. It'll be fascinating to see how the rankings look for the 2021 signing class. How accurate mm-hmm. how accurate was everybody? <laughs> right. Like
1: I have no idea. I'll I'll have to wait and find out with everybody else. I have no idea what that will look like.
0: Um, all right. So let's get to quickly here before we hear from Stephen Godfrey, a little bit of baseball talk, not, not like on the field baseball talk, but we were watching, I was watching the college world, college world series, Dak, Dak Prescott. I know you are, cause you're a Vandy alum. Dak mm-hmm. Prescott's in the, in the, in the stands, you know, you know, hyping up miss miss state
1: and his Hale, bucket hat,
0: hail state and his bucket hat. I'm not sure why people wear bucket hats, but it's a baseball thing. I don't know. Um, Jay Cutler, of course, is in the stands for, <laughs> for, for, Vanderbilt and as we're taping this on Wednesday before game three I'm assuming Tim Corbin has asked Jay T- J Cutler to not return to the stadium um and Peyton Manning used to go to all these Tennessee games and like they would lose all the time when Peyton was there so like I, I don't know like I-, I did find it fun to see like 100 millionaires guys that are 100 millionaires like two times over coming back and acting like children to watch their favorite teams. I I just love that. (laughs) I I enjoy that. I seeing that and that's a college sports thing that does not happen a lot in the pros.
1: No, it doesn't as much. I guess there's just like a different kind of bond you have with your um, college team and, or your, your university. Although Jay, I'm not totally convinced he has a whole soul. I think he's hilarious. Um, I didn't know how much Jay Cutler had the capacity to really care about anything which I think is one of the funniest things about him. But he was there, actually talked to... um,
0: Jay Cutler doesn't um, care.
1: No, he doesn't care. I don't care. Murray, um, a guy named Murray Harris, he's like a Vanderbilt super fan who I love. He's like the best kid in the world. His dad, him and his dad always grew up like going to the games His dad actually passed away so Murray still goes to everything he's on the front row you'll see him screaming he took a picture with Jay Cutler yesterday and I was talking to him I was like what did Jay say and he's like it's nothing it's Jay and then
0: (laughs) and you (laughs) can see on the on the screen like they put Jay Cutler up there and he's got no expression they put Dak Prescott up there and he's like waving a towel and jumping up and down and having a blast
1: I know it's to- totally different, but I did, I was like he didn't say anything. He's like no, but he was standing with Al Leiter in the corner of the restaurant. Um, one of the restaurants like overlooks the stadium, and he said that they were cutting up, and the whole group was like dying laughing. So he's like he was being funny. He just didn't speak to me. Um, so yeah, this Jay was is, there.
0: This is why we had Reagan Ag on the show a couple of weeks ago, is because Jay <laughs> Cutler is this one thing outwardly to the world, which is this <laughs> like sort of like you know, goober of a quarterback who doesn't look like he cares all that much about much of anything. But if you actually, like, got to be around him, and we saw that on the, the reality TV show, Very cavalleri, which is where Reagan w- was on, it, you know, you're seeing this guy that's, like, genuinely pretty funny. Um, also you know his comedy comes from a place of I don't care <laughs> of course <I> yeah. <laughs> but like I don't I don't know if I'm Tim Corbin though I'm definitely asking him not to come back because Vanderbilt Tough. got there. Well then
1: a few people me. can't come back. You think Corbin just called Clark Lee and Jerry Stackhouse <laughs> and told them not to come back either?
0: I did see stack in there. Um, stack was
1: there and then two I more.
0: I don't know how Smith. Keep- I would keep as many uh, Vandy fans in the building as possible because uh, it's about twenty-three thousand Mississippi State fans and about fifteen hundred Vandy fans. So. Dude, they're
1: insane. You know they all drove yeah. too.
0: So sp- speaking of, I-, I actually like the fact that we don't know the outcome of the College World Series. So you're going to listen to this, and you oh, will know one of us. You will listen to this, and when you're listening to this, you will know the outcome of the College World Series. You will know end of
1: end of my life.
0: <laughs> so here's my question, uh, number one: How you feeling Wednesday afternoon before? Game three of the National Championship Series. How are you feeling?
1: Um, I think I'm in like a numb phase where I'm not feeling anything because this wave of overwhelm is going to come like two minutes before first pitch and I'm just going to start convulsing. So right now, nothing. I don't feel anything.
0: Are you in a glass case of emotion right now?
1: I don't need to be. I need to be in a padded room of emotion. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Uh, how, how,
0: um, how are we? How how are you? How will you be consuming the game?
1: Um, probably Alone? by myself. Yeah. Yes, there have been. I've been invited to watch every single game, like with friends, whether it's Mississippi State or just other Vanderbilt friends or whatever. At all through the College World Series, I've no sh- no called no showed
0: to all of those. <laughs>
1: i haven't gone and Just watched text it
0: text <laughs> somebody back for Christ no
1: i mean sake. they're already going with other people it's not like i'm standing up one person by themselves but i can't watch it with i don't want to be rude and be like no i don't want to watch it with you i don't want to watch it by myself I, but i actually did resort to that yesterday because my friend chelsea called me and i was like i'm not coming like stop asking me i'm not coming i need to watch this by myself in my nike my gold nike dunks you
0: you, you have apartment. a lot you apparently you have a lot more jake cutler to your game than you than you thought you are just ghosting people um i have no i don't think it's if i got it if i texted somebody to watch the game with them and they text me back i need to be alone to watch this i would not be offended at all i would totally i did I would totally say understand. that
1: this last time but
0: i'm not your, you're not a, that's not a good friend if somebody says i need to be alone to watch this
1: but it's like a big, it's not like I'm showing up like my best friend. It's like a big group of like, hey, we're all going to watch the game. I can't Come. watch games.
0: I can't watch important games in large group settings. Well,
1: that's what like I'm that. saying. It's like, it's not like they're alone and crying because I'm not there. Right, and also they don't just, they don't get it. I can't let, do it.
0: Let's do some quick role playing here before we get to Stephen Godfrey. Okay. Uh, again, this podcast is coming out after the championship game. Let's pretend. Mm-hmm. Vander Kumar Rocker was amazing. He just, Aaron, I can't believe how well he pitched. He threw nine shutout innings. Vanderbilt won 3-0. It's the third national championship in seven tournaments. They are the definitive program, the premier program in American-based college baseball right now. How are you feeling?
1: Like very, very, very happy and excited for the team, but also ready for a million obnoxious phone calls and texts telling me how much Vanderbilt doesn't deserve it.
0: <laughs> for me from From everyone
1: from all of a sudden there's all these bandwagon (laughs) nc state fans it's like you don't even watch baseball why are you harassing me
0: i mean you did you did catch a small break but well uh, yeah vanderbilt's still worthy champion there's no and i will
1: also say well and we've had we've had a lot of mistakes throughout this whole thing and it's we've played in uncharacteristic way through many of the games and tim corbin would be the very first person to say that but um i would i will also say i would never wish upon any team or student athlete, what happened to NC state? That's oh, no, yeah, heartbreaking to me.
0: Uh, also follow, follow uh, the rules and instructions and it won't happen. Um, yeah. I,
1: I agree with that too. I just, I just hate that it happened.
0: So, all right, let's try role-playing number two. Okay. I think it's Will Bedford, right? For Mississippi state. Who's like mm-hmm. their, their stud sophomore. He's going to yep. start in game three. Will Bedford has just absolutely mowed down a Vanderbilt lineup that has struggled at the plate for the last couple of games and they got what's coming to them because they shouldn't have been in the series to begin with. And Mississippi State is now your first champion, the, one of the best programs in the country that to have never won a national title. They've been to Omaha 11 times. Only Florida State and Clemson have more trips to Omaha. Mississippi State is your national champion. Aaron Dugan, how do you feel?
1: Mm, I mean, I'm not happy and I'm quickly blocking five or six numbers in my phone.
0: So basically, Either way, you're just blocking numbers.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I'm going to block <laughs> people
0: regardless for sure. No, oh, I'll no, just
1: no. I'll buy a couple boxes or bottles of Boone's Farm, leave them on the porch of my <laughs> Mississippi State friends, because when I went to Starkville to visit them, that's the only thing they drank. And it was <laughs> awful. And then I'll block them.
0: All right. Well, there, I'm not I'm, I'm not
1: folks. I have a hard time. Mississippi State's tough in baseball because there's. I mean, I remember when I was packed for Omaha in 2018 because we had to leave the next day if we won Super Regionals and they walked off and left us in Nashville and went. And it's just really hard for me to be happy for them. It's really hard for me to be happy for them. I'd be happier for NC State.
0: And that was role playing with Aaron Dugan on Fringe Element.
1: And how positive. Such a positive activity.
0: All right. When we come back, you will hear a snippet of our conversation with Stephen Godfrey, of course, of like a million different, you know, formerly of SB Nation, formerly of Banner Society. I don't know what he's doing anymore, but he's basically the definitive reporter on college football. We had a very, very long conversation with him on lamestream sports. But you will hear a big chunk of that, that, that as it pertains to the SEC and all of this stuff that's going on with name, image and likeness. So you'll hear that Stephen Godfrey, our conversation with him when we return right here on Fringe Element. Fringe Element is brought to you by. Is it your turn? No, this is your job. And you know what? I've talked to Jaspers about this exact thing that you do. And they love it. And they love it so much that they want you to continue with the shtick. So three, two, one. Fringe Element is brought to you by
1: Jaspers. It's a kick in the mouth.
0: <laughs> the... it, it it is if you get the some of the spicy food. That's
1: the ta- that's the Tang tagline. Remember Tang?
0: Is it really a, tang, a tang? It's or... a kick in your mouth. Is that? It's really? like that
1: orange drink that you dissolve. It's kind of like I
0: know what Tang is. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I can't believe that you! I can't believe that you know it. You're too young to know what Tang is. That I think like... it came
1: on. I think it was like commercials during Nickelodeon.
0: Stuff. Yeah, but I thought it was like back in the seventies. Like, hey, we're going to the we're we're racing. How would you know it? We're racing Russia because it was still a thing when I was a child in the eighties. So it was like we're racing Russia to the moon, and like Tang was a thing. I don't know. I
1: just there's, remember it, there being a monkey on the commercial.
0: <laughs> there's no Tang or monkeys at Jasper's. I can guarantee you that. No. Um. I look. Jasper's great food. Great place to watch the game. Still tons of sports out there to watch. Football is going to be here in no time uh jasper's is a fantastic place to do all those things free parking air conditioning chairs that work all the all the, the necessary things for for a sports bar to be wonderful
1: and easy to just pick up food like if you're like me right now and have to be alone <laughs> you know if you can't like be in public watching something just pick it up take it home that's what i've been doing
0: i think that's a wonderful idea i took i picked mm-hmm. up some food took it to my wife at her office for for lunch the other day that was nice yeah I, i'm occasionally nice <laughs> jaspers making mean people occasionally nice go to Jasper. that's
1: actually pretty good
0: jaspers the anxiety medication you need when your team loses championship games and hey let's not manifest
1: nice. things easy easy well, no, no, does they,
0: it they lost game two we can report oh that. okay
1: okay championship games got it yeah because you could yeah, have won the championship
0: that. on tuesday and you didn't
1: jaspers slipping in downers for those of us <laughs> It's true.
0: It's true. All right, we gotta i think we need to be careful about jasper slipping things into your drink i think we need to that sounded a little roofyish i didn't careful. mean yeah. it like that yeah we need to be careful with that one
1: i think yeah sorry okay sorry jasper's.
0: jasper's not slipping things into your drink but taking the edge off nicely and smoothly with a cocktail and a nice meal
1: i'm not okay. gonna say anything else because i almost just
0: good?
1: yeah i'm i, mean, I was I accidentally crossed the line so i'm gonna be done
0: there, there are no lines and that's why we love Jaspers. They mm-hmm. they, they don't have any lines. I mean, they have a Except lot of lines. Except in
1: their parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. I hate that myself That was right great.
0: Now. That was kind of a dad joke and I love it because I'm a dad. Go to Jaspers. It's a great place to watch the game. It's the next evolution of the sports bar. Go to Jaspers. In terms of if if they're going to be as conservative as possible, uh, do you think that's going to create like a market opportunity here for for different schools kind of along the way uh, to be more aggressive in terms of name and image uh, kinds of kinds of issues and, and and use it as as an attractor for recruits?
2: Yes. I can give you a couple forecasts based on, just based solely on my opinion, having done the job for a little while. If they screw this up, the NCAA specifically, and they try and over-enforce at the outset and they try and pull back uh, in terms of the volume, both in dollars or both in the frequency of, however they wanna create the language on restriction on these NIL deals. If they do that, they run for, for the first time, I've never said this before, for the first time, I think they run the risk of the power five just saying, nah, we're done. We don't actually need you. We don't actually operate with like, like this, is, this has been a little bit of a gentleman's agreement for the last couple of years. And now you don't control our postseason. You don't even control our scheduling. Essentially, all they really do is enforcement. And there's always been a bully pulpit that was given to the presidents to sort of say, hey, we want all these sports under the NCAA. I think that's going to change because the presidents understand the financial value of football. So I think if they, if they overextend on enforcement of NIL, now you have to enforce it somehow. I'm not saying that it should just be the wild west, but if they are dumb and naive enough to go in and look at Princeton, Louisiana, Monroe, and Bama as the same things, which is, which is the way the language is set up right now, okay? When you talk about enforcement, there are a couple differences that I just named, but not many. You know, but Princeton's in the FCS, but well, I mean, I could have said James Madison or something like that in terms of number of scholarships. Yeah, there's some minor differences. But the way the NCAA is set up, and it's part of that sort of like feigned naivete, because this is just amateurism, is that it. What the NCAA wants to tell you is that it does not matter that some of these schools have an operating budget of ninety-one, one hundred and twenty-five, three hundred and thirty million dollars, and some of these budgets are actually in the red, somewhere under underneath a single a single million dollars. Nowhere nowhere else in the world, especially in America, would we operate like that if this was if this was deemed business, if this was the business world. We would not compare companies like that. That's not how it would work. We would not regulate companies like that. That's not how our tax brackets work. So um, if they push that, I think what you're, so you saw uh, the phrase autonomy five pop up, right? You guys saw that, you saw that in press releases, you're starting to see conference commissioners in the P5 say that. And then Mike Oresko is like clawed <laughs> on the back and just be like, no, it's six. Um, that, that was surprising uh-huh. to me because, because you can now see that you, that's a, that's less a chess move to me. And that's more of um, a military exercise, right? When you display the strength. And you just let it be known, like we're going to gather all our troops in the square to show you exactly what kind of force <laughs> we have. I think that is what they're doing. And by the way, for what it's worth, I do think I think the AAC has a good chance at going on that side of the fence because, yeah. to me, inevitably, I know I'm filibustering, we're going to break this thing in half. Like I think you're you're going to have a top tier, a mid tier, and a low tier. I do. I, I see. I see three three tiers coming. <laughs>
0: We, we, we already have them uh, because you, as you just laid it all out, the, the I, I'd like to see what the SEC's intercontinental ballistic, ballistic missile, you know, display looks like at, at the Sunbelt just to see what that would, would look like. Bringing all of this together though, to Steve's question, to your point about leadership needing probably a decade to sort of get us through this period to the next period. If I'm a coach that sort of gets this and, and you can give us the names of coaches you think that understand how to market in the new you know sort of inside the new guardrails would you not be reaching out to every person like yourself all the national media people all the local media people to say like look at us look what we're doing we're you know again you can tell us which coaches you think are doing it the best but Nebraska's got open source you know deals already in place contracts you got states that are putting legislation in place faster than others wouldn't this be an opportunity to use the media to help grow your brand and and compete at a higher level i mean isn't that
2: yeah, i think you'll see that you're, you're i think you're gonna see that and it's gonna it's not gonna start with people like me it's not gonna start with with, with the the colleagues i have on the national level it's not it's not gonna start with the new york times and it's not gonna start with sports illustrated it's gonna start with 247 it's gonna start with rivals and it's gonna start with the other ones Like it's going to start at the recruiting level. It is, it just is. It's that they're going to reach out. The reason why it hasn't happened yet is they don't know what they can say. Okay. So like in Nashville, I'll give you a real, real local joke. Like you build a garage on your property. Is it, is it a freestanding property? Do you go in front of the city or do you just, Hey, do you just build a closet that happens to turn into a toilet after the inspector leaves? Right. (laughs) That, Hey, that metaphor is exactly what's going on right now at the moneyed institutions, okay? So not Middle Tennessee State, but in Knoxville, absolutely. They already ha- they have this thing ready. The problem is they don't know what they can say. They don't even know what they can technically offer. So what they've done is they've all quietly commissioned their own studies internally and worked with third-party companies. It's probably been a very good time to be some DS marketing branding firm especially if you're in places like Atlanta Orlando or Dallas, where you're around a lot of college football programs, I bet there's some people making some sweet ass money right now and doing some consulting because <laughs> these departments are already set up. I know for a fact, they're set up at three different SEC schools. They're ready to go. They just got to pull the sheet down and go into operation. The problem is the governing body hasn't, they, they, no one above knows what the f- to do. So it's like, this is this is the problem they look your instinct is right here they're going to promote the hell out of this they just don't know what they can say and when because they don't want to run afoul of recruiting violations because they don't no one wants to be the last school that gets popped in the dying days of ncaa enforcement
0: <laughs> carry a carry a ban into the new era
2: i mean like yeah I think about like, so, so who tennessee wants, who wants to be the last who wants to be the last soldier shot on the battlefield? before it ends, you know, like, yeah. I mean, and and that's the other thing too, is they're going to have to, these are big, broad solutions. This kind of reminds me a little bit of like the argument of defund the police. You haven't really thought this, like your intentions might be noble and certainly your motivations are understandable, but you haven't thought this through. I haven't heard an argument yet that is salient enough to carry through all the major hypotheticals. And the problem with the power five slash six saying, okay, we we're divorcing, we're leaving you know, I declare the no longer, we are no longer under jurisdiction. What are you gonna do? Because you have to have some kind of enforcement, even I'll say that, and I've been the, probably the most outspoken critic of NCAA enforcement since I've been doing this job, but you have to have something, you have to have some sort of regulatory body. This is not libertarian to its bone because it would be a disaster. I had someone ask me last week, they're like, so what did like people just stop cheating after all this? And I'm like, are you kidding? This is America. This is America. They're just going to find new and better ways to cheat. I mean, no, Lord.
0: If you're, if you're putting bets on uh, say three programs, you think are going to be the most aggressive in this area. Who, who, who's it going to be?
2: I think the easiest way to look at it is to just take those budgets that like the USA today ta- table and just work from the top down. So it's exact. It's all the usual suspects. So Alabama will be ready. LSU will be ready uh Certainly, the Texas programs and on you go. I think Notre Dame is. This could be a, a, a very. This could be advantageous for the Irish. My party line this entire time has been like, it's not going. Like no one's going to benefit or suffer from this. Who would not like? It's not going to change any pecking orders. That's what I've tried to say about nil, at least to the fans who are like, well, this is all crap. The kids aren't going to play for passion anymore. I was like, mm, I never did. You're full of shit, and old. But. <laughs> Where you are on the chain is probably where you're going to be under NIL. I do think if you have a national brand, you are going to be better positioned to help actually brand your students. That makes sense. So I think even in 2021, we still consider the Notre Dame brand to transcend region, right? There's a ubiquity to that. I think you could say the same thing about a lot of other schools with state names in them, like Alabama. I think there's a certain national identity that you have coming from Alabama, but just by virtue of the fact that they put so many guys in the NFL that people, you know, wherever you go in the country, people know what Alabama football is. So, um, and then as you go on further down the line, yeah, it's going to be, you're going to have a success rate that I think is probably commensurate with like what kind of program you are and how much money you have.
0: Could I, could I ask to go a little bit more nuanced with that? Because I do think there are a couple of, I mean, I I tend to agree with you in general that the pecking order is not going to change all that much. If you have a lot of money and power, you're going to have a lot of money and power equaling success down the road. But there are a couple of fan bases that for whatever reason, geography, history, whatever, bad decision-making that have these incredibly passionate fan bases, meaning the players would be marketable but not as much success. And like Nebraska is one of them. And in the SEC, for example, I would say Arkansas and South Carolina might qualify as these guys that we probably never view as capable of winning anything at a high level, but they do have a a marketability there to their fan base. It doesn't catch Alabama, but but maybe it moves them up in the national rankings. Are there a few schools that you could see benefiting maybe in, in that world because of that dynamic?
2: Specifically because of nil, just
0: just a big passionate fan base that is willing maybe to put a few dollars in somebody's pocket for a, a a local marketing campaign that might give you good ROI. In which case, that coaching staff can go sell that that fan base to the recruiting trade. Does that, does that make does that equation make sense?
2: I think what yeah so I, so I think what you're getting at is like would there be a fervency out of South Carolina, the sort of perennial seven five SEC school that you might not see at like Iowa? Now that's interesting to me. Where are you culturally in terms of, uh, you know, a better example is this. Like if you want to win more football games, you should probably go to Utah instead of South Carolina, right? Kyle Whittingham, proven coach, can win the conference, da 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 But do people, and I'm not picking on Utah, and this is just a hypothetical, are people in Salt Lake as fervent and passionate about, you know, landing that four or five-star running back or DB or whatever as South Carolina? Maybe not. I don't know. I'm not again. I'm not here to shit on. We care more because I think it just means more. It's been the great fucking double truth of all sports. Um, but I think you're onto something there. I think that's possible. You know, I, I do think. And, and and by the way, to that end, like I've been to Corvallis, and that's that. Corvallis is the same as as um, Starkville or or Columbia for that matter. Either Columbia um, th- that, that is a college football culture, right? As a rural area, it is a, you know, it is a lot of people in ag jobs and forestry jobs and they, they rally around the beavers and like they've sucked. But like, I promise you, it's, I think you might see more people turn out to support that than, than you would necessarily at, um, maybe some of the big 10 schools. I'm, you know, I'm curious, I'm curious, but then also you do have stuff like Stanford, where, you know, if you go to Stanford's practice facility right now, there's a corporate sponsor or an individual donor sponsor for every room in the building. In other words, if you walk into the QB team meeting room, just where the QBs meet, that is the such and such and, and you know, Mr. and Mrs. or Dr. and Mrs. Blah, 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 room for quarterback, Da da Every single part of that building is endowed. That was their sort of genius way to get the young money involved when Harbaugh and Shaw had, had that thing on the way up. So, I think some of the deeper pocketed institutes, my God, gentlemen, what we should be talking about is will this right the ship at Vanderbilt? Could this actually <laughs> get the lazy entitled money at Vanderbilt to get their ass in order? And it's possible.
0: That was Stephen Godfrey who always uses a ton of large words and um, is basically like the modern day philosopher, he's sort of like partners with spencer hall <laughs> like those two guys are like the, the modern you know like although like spencer's the socrates the the, the, the philosopher and maybe maybe steven is is more like the um
1: he's like the mad scientist of yeah
0: like i wasn't gonna to go me. with like ben franklin or um you know einstein that's giving him a little too much credit and we don't want to we don't want to make his already, it already we don't want to make his already very large dome any larger um, mm-hmm. but, uh, no great friend of the show. And one of the smartest dudes, I always learn something. He is as well-sourced a national reporter in college sports as there ever has been. Um, and, uh, it's sort of just like floating around from job to job <laughs> right, right now, the uh, life as many of us are
1: <laughs> join the club
0: in, in this industry. Um, Aaron, where can people find you? Hope everybody enjoyed the episode this week. Where can people find you?
1: Aaron underscore Dugan on the gram and the Aaron Dugan on the Twitter machine.
0: You can follow me, Braden Gall at Braden Gall on Twitter at Braden D Gall on Instagram. If you want to see what's going on on the property next to me, um, of course we've got at four forty sports on Twitter and Facebook at four forty media on Instagram as well. Special thanks to. Stephen Godfrey for a few minutes of his time. Aaron, always a pleasure. Uh, Let's just end the show like this. Congratulations! Let's just will it into victory. Will Uh, it into manifest it. Manifest. I'm congratulations to the Vanderbilt Commodores on their national championship. Though
1: (laughs) I don't like that. Actually,
0: okay, let's do it the other way. Congratulations to Mississippi State fans on their national championship. Okay, I'm
1: gonna. I gotta sign off because these are both making me wildly uncomfortable.
0: But now we. But now we jinxed it the other way, though.
1: Okay, so then what happens now?
0: I don't know. People listening to this already know. (laughs) Damn. Okay. Well, let's just
1: hope the lucky dunks work tonight.
0: For Aaron Dugan, my name is Braden Gall. Thank you for listening. Please share the show. Tell somebody about it. Rate, review, and subscribe. This has been Fringe Element here on the 440 Sports Network.
1: Pray for me.